0: The information provided on the Finesse Your Money podcast is not intended to constitute legal, business, financial or other professional or product advice. It is provided as general information only and is not intended as a substitute for personal advice from a qualified and licensed professional who is familiar with the facts of your particular circumstances. Ever asked yourself where your money is going? It's a common problem for businesses and people personally. Is it dumb luck to be successful with money? Or is it the smartest and most successful businesses and people that plan and understand the value and purpose of money across generations? Is your money out of control or needing some finessing? In the third season of Finesse Your Money, the theme is more than money. We're talking all things money with our inspirational guests, But we go beyond that to explore creating a legacy beyond wealth, success and stewardship among families, the energy and purpose of money, well-being and wealth, relationships and money, connection, being intentional and values. Listen in to hear some excellent tips from our guests and set yourself up for a bright, happy future with a stronger sense of purpose around money. Get ready to be inspired. I'm Janine Wilson, the host of Finesse Your Money. I've been a financial advisor for 10 years and an accountant beforehand for, well, many more years. I'm the founder of Finesse Financial Advisors. Hi, you're listening to Finesse Your Money. I'm Janine Wilson. Welcome to today's discussion. If you're a regular listener, you'll know the theme this season is more than money. And today I'm speaking to that referral guy. My guest is Glenn Kirkwood. Let me introduce you to Glenn. He's the CEO and co-founder of That Referral Guy an education company designed to teach business people the revolutionary idea that by giving everyone wins. Couldn't agree more. His passion is helping people to build their businesses using the most effective marketing tools ever created, the power of personal referral. He's a fearless backcountry skier, bat out of hell mountain biker, global distance runner and loving family man. When Glenn does anything, he commits 100%. And he's one of those exceptional people who seem to have 28 hours and eight-day weeks. Glenn will tell you that what truly excites him is snow skiing, skiing fast down a ski chute filled with snow, fluffy snow. On the business side of things, he just loves business. And for him, business is good because it's about relationships. Glenn's trained over 16,000 people in some form or another about doing business through your contacts. And those contacts have generated over 50 million in closed business. So I'm certainly excited to hear about that. Let's welcome, Glenn. It's great to share this time with you and our listeners will certainly get a lot out of today's session. Thanks for joining us.
1: You're welcome. Glad to be here.
0: So Glenn, tell us more about the business that you're in and how you came to be That Referral Guy.
1: Well, That Referral Guy came out of... Uh, fluke, really. Um, I was doing a coaching session with my business coach who was helping me grow the business. And he thought about developing a brand. Now, he said to try and use some sort of acronym. And I came up with a uh, 3KW, which is the three Kirkwood Weekly Wise Words. And in just chatting about that, he just sort of said, Glenn, it just doesn't roll off the tongue. You should just call yourself something like, you know, something nice and easy. And I said, what, like that referral guy? And he went, yeah. And we both kind of had one of those moments where, yeah, that's exactly what you should call. I didn't think much of it, but someone in the room listened to that particular uh, session and it just uh, got picked up and then rolled out with the BNI chapter that I was working with. So I know a couple of people in this particular space that would love that branding And, but that's how it happened. I wish that I could say I designed it that way, but some of the best things come not by design, just by chance.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, you hear those sorts of stories time and again, and, you know, I think we all, our brains kind of work in a way where we're looking for perfection, but we just sort of, you know, I I can't even recall what you said now, you know, three WW or something. And it's like, no, but that referral guy, highly memorable, isn't it?
1: It is, it is. I'm lucky to have it. I know a lot of jealous people.
0: (laughs) I'm sure you do. So in business and life, how important is it to be open-minded to new ideas and ways of doing things?
1: I think it's it's critical these days um, to be always open uh, to opportunities. You never know where that next big thing might come from or your next uh, uh, great idea, whether or not it comes from one of your Uh, say customers or whether or not it come from a staff member you've always got to be open to embracing changes or new ideas to create a better business I can't think of where there's an example where um, I've not been open I've seen lots of examples where people haven't been open and they've been very very rigid and they've missed really good opportunities because often we think that Uh, You know your business so well, but really, if you're actually listening to your clients better, they could actually make your business tenfold better because they're the ones buying it, not you
0: and I think maybe in financial services people do get a bit carried away with you know I've been doing this a long time I know how to do this but they kind of lose sight of the world is changing there's a there's new norms every day isn't there and particularly in recent times I mean you know we've seen (laughs) I don't even like saying unprecedented times because you can't turn on the tv without hearing that term being used but know, there's many, many people who have changed the way that they're doing things. And I think the ones that have been open to such change have, have been more successful in weathering this period of unknown or uncertainty.
1: Yeah, I've recently seen a lot of quotes when you're living in the future, live with anxiety, but if you live in the present, you can really pick up on things. And therefore, those People that are standing out today are those business leaders that are really seeing what's going on for people and then just standing up and having a voice. In order for people to actually really get clear with what you're trying to say, you have to deliver it with passion and enthusiasm, but it still has to be real right? I think people these days can see straight through BS. So it can't be anything manufactured. It has to come from within. And to do that, you actually just have to be really uh, on point with exactly what's going on in either conversation or the business community around you.
0: And I think you're right. I mean, another word that has been overused recently is, you know, authentic. <laughs> and, you know, it just, it, be real, it resonates far more with me. There's another word, resonates. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll, I have to be honest and open Disclarity clarity in this particular call. For the first, I'd say, five years out of um, or doing my own business, um, I used to lie a lot. Um, I used to not tell people the truth. And I think that came out of just trying to win customers. And whilst it worked a little bit, we really didn't get any traction at all until I started just being as you say, authentic, exactly what's going on for myself. Now, I did a lot of growing up um, as a business person then. And one of the reasons I look back and sort of said, well, why did I tell people things that weren't true? And it came down to my desire to ple- wanting to please people, right? So I would... Uh, agree to doing things that I didn't want to agree to. I would say we could get things done when really I probably, you know, if I thought about it, I, I wasn't going to get done just as a desire to, to please people. And when you break it down, doesn't matter how you shape it, right? It's a lie. Okay. And it always came back to bite me. All right. And it, I may not have been the witness of that, you know, biting, they might've just voted with their feet and not shopped with me. All right. Until I learned that lesson, Uh, I couldn't show up as being Glenn, really authentic. And if you think about what I do, I'm dealing in business relationships. That's when I really started to get some great traction. So I had to go through that learning myself.
0: And I think, you know, absolutely understand what you're saying. So um, I spoke recently to Yvonne Iglesias in Mm -hmm. another um, podcast session. So if you want to know more about, you know, those sorts of, you know, deep understanding of yourself, go off and listen to that podcast at a later date. Thanks. So the theme of this season is more than money, Glenn. So what does that mean to you?
1: Well, I'll I'll be honest. I haven't had a good relationship with money for many, many years. I'd say the first part of it, I went to a very, very affluent school. And so my feeling of money was it was a dirty word. All right. Uh, Then I went through uh, my business career, starting and trying to um, uh, get money. And I didn't really understand profit. And then in the last, I'd say, 20 years, The reason why money is important to me now is not for the money's sake, it's for what it can do. If I generate um, good money and we have good profit, I can help more people. And I'm in the business of actually helping people get their businesses running better through relationships. I can't do that if we are not a profitable business. So my thinking about money has completely changed to when I first started business.
0: I hear you my my business is around helping people get their their home money <laughs> you know working <laughs> understanding you know what they're spending what they're earning what they can do with it ultimately so you know helping clients build that blueprint for their future which includes obviously money is what makes me feel all warm and fuzzy um, and what I love about my work so in speaking with you recently I, I have a sense that you you're all about that care for clients and how you can help them more, and in turn, that helps more people. So, tell us what it right. you about reaching more people and, and what you know they get out of your process.
1: So, when I change my mindset around what money is, all right, and it's just a vehicle to being able to reach more people, okay. So, if we uh charged a fee for giving advice. There's a couple of things that happened for me with with clients. Um, I'm going to relate that back to, say, my speaking career. When I first started speaking, I was just speaking to um, rotary groups, right? And I was speaking for free because I wanted to become a speaker and that was suggested to me. And that was great. You know, I'd go along and I'd do a half an hour, 45-minute discussion about relationships. And then I wanted to actually... Grow myself, and I actually wanted to be a a paid speaker when I thought about it. So, someone said, Well, you send Rotary an invoice, and I said, But they don't pay. He said, That's not the point, you just mark it complimentary. So, then when they read out my buyer, they said, Here's a guy who normally speaks for $500, but today he's speaking for us for free. And at the end of that event, someone came up to me and said, Hey, I can afford $500, I'd love it if you came and speak to our sales team. Anyway, um. I started getting booked for lots of $500 gigs and, you know, for me it was really working, but I was getting booked so often that I really was running out of time. And so what I decided to do was to put up the fee Um, by chance. Somebody said, hey, could you do this event? I was over doing those types of events, so I just plucked a figure out of my head and I just quoted five times the amount and I said, well, I could do it for $2,500. Luckily for me or um, luckily for my career, they said yes. And I came back and said, wow, I'm going to do the same talk that I did a couple of weeks ago for 500 but I'm doing it for five times the amount. Anyway, uh, that felt comfortable with me. The next time that actually happened was a large uh, international uh, business that asked me to come and speak for them. And whilst I'd spoken to a large audience before, I'd never spoken to 2,500 people at one time. So we're really getting into the big end of town. And I had no way of actually quantifying how much I should charge. So I chatted to a mentor and she said, Oh, Glenn, you should charge $10,000. And I said, Wow, you know, that's a big jump from where I'm speaking now. And she said, Yeah, yeah, yeah just do it. Anyway, I put together a workshop for um, 20000 and a uh, speaking engagement for six. And then I combined the deal and said, If you get both, I'll do it for 24 so the talk was really worth $6,000 and they accepted, right? That really blew me away. And I struggled with that whole sort of process because what I struggled with was I felt that I wasn't worth $6,000, right? However, the information that I was parting to those $2,500 to the organization was worth $6,000. And I got a really good lesson into money is not your self-worth. I'm priceless, Right but it's nothing to do with what I think I am worth. It's about the value that you bring to an organization or a client. And so I think that exchange, you have to work out what is what is value to you, all right? Um, and I ask uh, you know, our clients all the time within the first uh, probably 10 minutes, we're already having a conversation about if I generate this much for you, what is it worth? And it's a way for me to to work out whether or not I should continue the presentation and, and the relationship because some people wanna get you know, $200,000 worth of income value for them, but they don't wanna pay for it. And so that's just gonna avoid a lot of heartache for me because it'll mean that I'm constantly trying to push the rock or trying to get the business to grow by myself. They have no skin in the game. And some clients have actually wanted to pay us more than what we actually charge. So I sort of went, wow, they really understand um, value. So for me, uh, Janine, I'd sort of say that it's a great way to work out the value that you bring to someone and make sure that you actually deliver value. It's not a copy and paste from someone else, all right? Look at the way you deliver that particular product. It helps you get better at doing It It certainly did for me. Does that help answer the question?
0: Absolutely. Um, Interestingly, I just wrote, and and people can check this out on my website, finesseadvisors.com, an insight there about the value of financial advice. So Mm -hmm. check that out. Thanks so much for sharing that, Glenn. And if people want to hear more from Glenn on that score, just go and check out his Facebook group, The Better Business Place. It's on facebook.com, obviously, groups, Better Business Place. So Glenn, tell me now, what What's your ultimate goal?
1: Yeah, when I looked at that question, I sort of went, wow, it really did make me think. So I'm 54 now. Ultim- my ultimate goal is to have a a system that we roll out to the people um, we deal with uh, financial services companies, a system that I could roll out worldwide. Currently, we're um, all throughout Australia and we're just about to take it to New Zealand. But the big goal would be to have a business that is rolled out Internationally, So I'd be looking for people to um, do the same sort of thing as what I'm doing, and I think it's a real privilege to do what I do, you know. I, I don't think it as, as work. I really do... Every, every conversation I have is a win-win because I either help them identify that they're not a good fit for me and I know I have a very good network and I move them on to someone else who can help them, or we start working together. So for me, I love it, <laughs> picking up the phone. I love all my calls. Um, so my next... <laughs> I guess, stage in business is is going uh, international. Mm.
0: So that's really interesting you talked about that there, Glenn, because, you mm. know, right now I'm trying to scale up my business as well. And so, you know, when people ask me what I'm looking for, I say me 15 years ago. <laughs> Because ultimately that is what I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who's got, you know, not just technical knowledge but, you know, people skills and, you know, can can understand the business that we're in and, and really, you know, kind of lead with their heart really and have such care, be a very careful pair of hands for every client and, and as you say, if I can't help someone, someone in my, you know, network of allied services can certainly Um, help them and I always like to leave people with at least you know one or two or three things that they can go away with and work on themselves even if I can't help them or point you know I always want to point people in the right direction so that they get value from you know their time in talking with me.
1: You mentioned the kind of what, what would you tell yourself 15 years ago and it makes me think I would have embraced more of those opportunities when I was really under pressure. So when I was going through separation, or when my parents were going through separation, or or when life just seemed like it was really getting me down, I I really take note and sort of thinking, you know, it takes a lot of pressure from, you know, rock to form a diamond, Mm. right? And I'm sort of going, wow, I never really looked at life that way in terms of whatever challenges I was going through, this is an opportunity. I'm actually should be embracing this. It doesn't feel like that right now, but it will in time. And so the learning that I got from whatever that discomfort was on the other side uh, was an opportunity. And that was the growth because you can't lead. And certainly I've always known this from a business perspective. You can't have change unless you go through an awkward sort of moment because that's where the change comes. That's what the magic is. And you never really know when it's going to show up. Mm-hmm. I, I can say, we could do this hour together on a, on a podcast. I don't know which bit of magic going to reach out and resonate with one individual and change them, right? Uh, I know that that's happened to me when I've been sitting down to trainings or having a coaching call with someone. I've just gone, oh, that's the piece of information that I know right now. So if I'd have told myself 15 years ago, I would have said, hey, Glenn, embrace every single moment because it is shaping you to be the unique you you are
0: absolutely (laughs) um so it was interesting you raised there, uh, you know, separating, divorcing your parents, etc. So, I, you know, you did tell me before the before the call that you've been through that, and you lived in a in a household with with your mum and your sister, and you're very familiar, you know, very comfortable around women. And of course, you know, one of my core client groups is women going through a traumatic life event, and you know, oftentimes that is separating and divorcing. So, are you comfortable to chat about what impacts that's had on your finances and emotions? emotionally in your view of the world.
1: Absolutely, because I know that there is learning for me in just talking about this as that might resonate with someone else on the call.
0: Tell me about that, you know, what impact has it had on your finances? You know, um, I I think people often, when they come to me, they think everything's going to just be split down the middle or, you know, whatever, but that isn't always the case. Sometimes there's, there's winners and sometimes there's losers and, you know, even people who intend to start off being fair about you know the relationship and you know separating in the nicest possible way can get ugly at times
1: (laughs) you know what i remember my look after my rock moment rock into a diamond sort of moment was when i was in my 20s and i separated from my girlfriend at the time we were living together and i just sort of said you know what you can take everything and i think it was a way for me to deal with it emotionally but financially it affected me because I had to rebuild everything that we had. I mean, uh, back then it was probably just the record collection and a couple of pictures and the, you know, the TV, which is kind of what you needed to move into somewhere. They used to judge you on what you had, right, when you picked up a flatmate. But I was living together with my girlfriend and I just gave it the lot and walked away. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are some people on the call that have um, thought about that. What it allowed me to do with emotionally was um, just to disconnect. What I didn't realise was emotionally within the next 3, 6, 12 months, I had to deal with that baggage. I carried it around like a ball and chain and just sort of said, you know, woe is me and I should be the pity one and uh, everyone should take pity on me. But it didn't change my financial status, right? I still had to man up and sort of going, well, what are we going to do about this? I'm going to need a fridge. I'm going to need this. So I had to rebuild it all again. So when I went through the separation with my wife, I had to think about that and kind of plan it you know i'd heard how women you know plan their exit emotionally they've left and then five years later on they actually do the divorce and so that's kind of what i did you know um, emotionally what i had done is left the marriage i went through a stage there where i actually had to think about uh what was going on for me and then i quickly went on to imagine what's going on for her and then we had to be really um, grown up about it and sort of going hey how do we move on? Because we've got children together. I didn't want it to be ugly. I, I know that I could control uh, myself and, and deal with it, but I also had to think about what that would be like uh, for Penny. And financially, you know what? I've never been really good with money at balancing it, but over the last um, three years, I've really kept a good budget. I've known and I've started living within my means. If you're younger than me listening you know, to this particular call, you know, do yourself a favor and really start to talk to a financial planner and get that sort of budgeting in place. I don't know where I missed it, but there wasn't a subject like that at school. I didn't get that training from my parents and I, I missed, you know, 20 years. So I've been training my children on, you know, if you earn a hundred bucks, 10, 10% has got to go towards some sort of saving. I don't care what happens with it. All right. But it's got to be put aside for rainy days. I didn't plan this separation. I didn't plan you know, a, a tooth breaking that costs $3,000. You've got to plan for those types of things. So I um, had to plan for my exit strategy and I needed to put money aside each week for both her, for me to start lives together. All right. There's the emotional side of the divorce and then there's the financial split, which is the property settlement. And both of them really needed to be dealt with. And it's hard going through uh something emotionally when you've got big ticket items at stake right because i i didn't want to be that young boy 23 um that just said you know what have it all because i'm 54 but i also needed to be fair to penny going hey um she's got to start life as well
0: thank you for sharing that um some interesting points to pick up there Many times I meet people who just give it all away and that really isn't sensible. And getting advice at the right time, right at the beginning of that sort of exit you know developing that exit strategy there's ways and means you can go about that and you know have a sense of fair play and figure that out without it costing you a lot of money because oftentimes things get into the courts and of course then it starts to you know rack up the dollar signs and and no one's a real winner there because the emotional levels go up and the costs go up and so you're walking away you know much more harmed (laughs) Or grieved, aggrieved, and you know you're also got um, substantially less in your pockets usually. Another thing you mentioned was helping the kids, you know. Um getting some advice for your kids, getting some you know support if they need it psychologically and all of those sorts of things are really important. You spoke about budgeting and people not being great with money. Another podcast I did recently with Anthea Faulkner, jump on and have a listen to that. That's really useful. And interestingly, my book will be out soon about rebuilding from the ground up once you've been through a separation or divorce. So watch out that it's coming, coming soon. So, look, there's a lot you can do, but I think building a team around you to help you through and having those people also have a sense of fair play can help you get organised quickly, get through it more quickly and probably come out of the other side in a better position Uh, because, I mean, some of the statistics, I haven't looked at them in the last, you know, 12 months or so, but some of the statistics are that it can take 10 years to recover financially From a divorce. Uh, And so, you know, there's a a lot of people in that sort of 45 to 55 or even 60 year old age group that are suddenly saying, look, you know, the marriage has run its course. We need to just go and rebuild our lives somewhere else. But coming out of it substantially worse off and taking a long time to recover financially can be quite harmful to leading a happy life, you know, in your retirement or in your, your later years.
1: Well, you've got to – exactly. You've got to be careful that you just don't – you take responsibility around that because in my example earlier with the 23-year-old, giving it all to her just wasn't responsible, right, because it allowed her to just sort of think, oh, well, if it's split up, I, just, I get all this, all right? And That's not a – Realistic way for to go into a relationship, right? Um, I certainly gave, and she certainly gave, and therefore, you know, should walk out with both. So I should have, for her, stood up and sort of said, "Hey, you know, I'm leaving too." There's a couple of things that I would like, right? Because then I wouldn't have carried around all that baggage I did for the next little while. But in saying that, it did prepare me for going into the marriage rather than just being a boyfriend, girlfriend. I was actually married. There's lots of things to consider. And if you're going to start your life again, you don't want to do it with you know that ball and chain. You just want to wish your, your partner all the very best. Um, they've got a way of restarting again so they can enjoy it as soon as possible, not be carrying around ball and chain or that sort of story. So you've got emotional and you've got the financial. You've got to both look after.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So aside from the separation and divorce, have you made any financial missteps, you know, in business or in life?
1: Where do I start? I think the biggest mistakes that I've made have come from not being fully aware. And I chalk that down to not having the right professionals in place. So, you know, with my children, I'm trying to educate them on, you need to have a lifelong relationship with an accountant whether or not you're working with someone, definitely if you're working for yourself, you need to have a relationship with a financial planner, right? Because, not because um, it's, you know, like just get a tick and flick and you're going to have some uh, insurances and all that sort of thing. But if you're looking to maximize every dollar that you earn, why wouldn't you chat to a professional who understands that and can just take care of that for you? Because I've got to be honest with you, I'm crap at about 97% of things. Besides skiing and business and relationships, (laughs) there's 97% of things that I think that I can do. And for a long time, I was so naive and thinking, yeah, I can do that. I can do bookkeeping. I can do graphic design. And when I started outsourcing and learning and building a team around me that sort of said, hey, listen, you know, um, how about you do that? How about you do that? How about you do that? Mm -hmm. A lot more successful. A lot more successful.
0: So, Glenn, I, I'm just going to make you laugh here. So I'm just fantastic at everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but, but realistically, it's not the best use of my time. So even if I was fantastic at everything, and I uh, quite seriously, I am not, uh, yeah. but it's not the best use of your time. And so get experts involved. You know, it's the stuff between the margins or outside of the lines or between the lines that you don't, the, the, the things that you, you know, you know, but it's actually the things that you don't know <laughs> and you, you don't come across unless you've got an expert on your, on your team. <laughs> well, I think
1: if you, I was just at the um, uh, Skin Council and if you think about the amount of people that were there, a lot of them are doctors, right? And everybody thinks oh, all the doctors are success. But this one doctor that I saw, all they do is skin cancer day in day out. They're just fantastic at that. And yet we think, Oh my goodness, you know, they've got it all going on. They're a doctor, but they do the same thing all the time. So you've got to look at that and sort of going, why don't you just be a master of one thing, do that really well and then outsource it because he had to outsource. I saw his weight room. I saw a great receptionist. I then went across to a great billing person. I went across to a a great nurse a great prep person and without all of those support people he wouldn't be the great doctor all right around the skin so you know think about yourself that way and start whether or not you're an employee and working for someone you're still going to need a relationship with a good legal person accountant
0: uh, finance
1: person financial planner because let's face it you're going to need someone uh, those those people right throughout your life
0: and i mean think of it in this regard you know people have a range of occupations. I spoke this week to a couple, he's a police officer and she works for the government, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he, he wants to invest further you know, what does he know about investing? He's not looking at investings every day. And if he's out there doing his day job, he probably doesn't have time to make, you know, investment decisions or really do the research, do the homework and make the best possible investment that's available for his money. And so just from that point of view, it makes sense. As you say, you know, making sure that you've got the right people on your team makes you look, as a business owner, makes you look, you know, better at your because you've got the right support at the right time and that then raises, you know, obviously you'd walk away from your medical appointment and go, oh, listen, if you need to see that guy, see him. He's fantastic. He's just got it all going on. And yeah. so, you know, why not have it all going on in your personal life, just not your business or corporate life?
1: Well, I see a lot of businesses just think that they're a jack of all trades and they come across in the marketplace as just being just average. Mm. And, and they could be. Oh, look, I work with a partner, JD, I call him, and he has a, an area of skills that I can do, but I can't do them as well as he can. He's extremely detailed, very reliable. He says things as uh, what goes on for him and, and comes straight out his mouth. So that's always a bit of a challenge for me, but it's very direct. It's very clear and people know where they stand. But he's also really good in terms of reliability. My skills are very different to Jonathan's and we make a great team, right? And that's a great example. I don't know what it's like for the end user, but the feedback that I'm getting so far is that, hey, it's a good, well-rounded, I get that you're working together as a team so that we, we don't miss anything.
0: Oh, so I've experienced that myself, Glenn, and, and as a user. It's been a good experience. So, mm. you know, well done. And, and I think it's just sensible to get people on your team, have them on your side and just do the best that you can.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks.
0: So, Glenn, you've been working in businesses or in business yourself for 35 years, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) So what are your top three tips for business owners from your years of experience?
1: Well, I'm definitely going to go down the path of relationships, aren't I? Um, So I would suggest that you keep a list of everybody that you meet. Now, everybody always used to talk about keeping business cards, all right? A lot of people think that you have to sell to people straight away. But the best relationships that I've acquired and my best, I guess, sales or interactions have been from people that I've developed long relationships with. So I would say everybody that you come in contact with from a business perspective, that you keep a CRM system, right? So that'd be my first bit of advice. My second bit of advice would be to work out, don't look at about what you can take from a relationship. Work out what you can give to a relationship. This means that you stand out different from everybody else. It's very usual for most people to sort of think, well, you know, he's ringing up because he wants to get something from me and get a sale or get this. It's very different. And you, you sort yourself out from the noise when you're sort of saying, hey, listen, Janine, how can I help you? What's going on for you? Tell me more about you. And when you have a greater interest in people, you very much stand out. So my third bit of advice would be play a long game. Don't play short. Don't sort of think that the transaction or business needs to happen in the next um, uh, 30 seconds because that's very, very naive. Uh, People need to know that they're dealing with the right person. So what's going on for them is their brains are always trying to get it right. Okay. And unless you can provide them the information there and then about why they should do business with you, they're not going to make a decision on the spot. And if they do, then there's a really good chance they'll make another decision to go with someone else uh, in in a little while and then someone else after that and someone else after that. So if you really want to develop really good long-term customers, take an interest in them, develop long relationships, find out about them and learn how to contribute towards them. The right people will come and uh, use you for your particular product or service, right? You won't actually have to go out and, and chase the people. So it's more of an approach to attract the right type of person rather than to go out and hunt and I'm definitely more of a farmer when it comes to the hunting farming sort of situation.
0: Mm, yeah good advice actually interestingly I mentioned earlier that you know I like to you know even if I can't help people today I can give them three you know tips of things they can do and I had a, a guy ring me about two weeks ago and say hey remember me I spoke to you a year ago and you told me I needed to do x y and z and I've done it so I, I want to have another chat let's can we get back together and so playing the long game is certainly sensible <laughs> and it just shows that you care I think
1: do you know, I was on a, um, a call, I've actually transferred uh, my CRM software from something that was costing me about, probably about $17,000 a year, and this particular product is almost, you know, one-seventeenth one of that, and I couldn't get it in my head that this was the same product. But actually, I listened to uh, someone come out and talk to me about the particular product, I was just researching online, how do I get this product to work the way that I want it to, the way the old company or the old software that I was using. In that particular experiment of learning and and finding out, I came across a lady in a different country who is a specialist in this area. And the more and more I watched her videos, it was just about giving, giving, giving great tips, great advice. Do you know I'm just about to spend $10,000 with this particular person? And everywhere else in a particular marketplace, there were not people giving really good, valuable pieces of information, right? They were just, they were slightly cheesy. They would tell you just enough to keep you interested and then you get you into, your, um, into their list, but they weren't giving you really good tips. And so don't be stingy with your advice, you know, the what, right? There's lots of people out there. You can Google it and you can find thousands of you and it can find thousands of me. Not everybody has the skills to actually help you implement it like you do. And not everybody has the skills to implement a very good referral strategy. I do that. But the information alone, you can find everything about what I do online, right? It's the implementation. And I'm just reminded by this uh, lady, Susan, who I'm just going to about to spend $10,000 with, sort of going, hey, she came into my life just by giving. Then she gave me another video. Even though these things were recorded, it was still her giving value to me. So that equation of, you know, give, 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 is going to come back and I'm going to be a fantastic client for her.
0: Absolutely. So what's one thing our listeners can do right now to help their business or themselves financially in the long run?
1: In the long run, I'd actually have to say, uh, build a great relationship with um, financial services team. If you want to help yourself, and even if you're you know a professional working in that particular space, don't burn to get the right sort of team around you. You know, my accountant saves me thousands of dollars. My financial planner makes sure that I've got it, you know, all in the right sort of structure that I need to have it. And when I'm just going into this particular separation, I look and sort of going, wow, I'm glad I took their advice, you know, uh, way back when it did. So I'm going to push this one back to you, Janine, and sort of saying, you know what, uh, people should go down and hire good people that know about money.
0: Mm. And that that's absolutely true. And, you know, what I find interesting in my business, uh, I think it's interesting that when you're looking to engage with your accountant or your financial advisor or whoever you need on your team, that it's really important that you actually like them and get along with them, that, you know, you, you have faith in, they're giving you quality information and quality guidance. But it's also, you know, if you're building that relationship for the long game, then, you know, as a consumer, you need to be sure that it's somebody you want to be working with for the long term, because, you know, switching around strategies and, you know, chopping and changing is never a good idea.
1: It's okay to shop, you know, it's okay. But once you find someone, you'll know it. I'm a big believer in that, You have to listen to, females call it your intuition, men call it your gut instinct. But I'm a big believer that if you don't listen to it, you know, when it first comes up within the first, you know, little while of meeting someone, the next time it comes up, it's going to cost you a lot of money or a relationship. So what I hear a lot sometimes is that people don't have a relationship with their financial planner, or they don't have a relationship with their accountant. And I'm going, what do you mean? I've got my guys on speed dial right? I'm always speaking to them. Even if it's just sort of say, hey, Max, you know, do you want to go to Pilates again? Or when are you going to, you know, because I, I, I go out with them. These people are a part of my life. So I've chosen people who I respect for what they do. And then I use their particular services. I've, I've been skiing with my accountant. You know, it's now Tim, the son, but it started out with Warren, right? So I don't understand why people just look at it very much like a transaction, right? And sort of going, oh yeah, that's what they do. I don't have anything to do with them besides pay them or see them once a year. And I'm like, really? Yeah, don't you yeah. <laughs> don't you want to get an understanding of who they are, their values, um, how they tick and and talk to them and chat to them, build a relationship, right? You often find that you get a lot of really good advice and they care about you more. If you look at it from their perspective, they want to deal with people that they enjoy too. Yeah. I mean, they get to charge two people the same amount of money, but if one's, you know, like, sending them clients or sending them articles or trying to help them in their life, surely they're going to look after you better.
0: I think it is absolutely. And, you know, I can't understand people's lives are changing all of the time. And I say to my clients, you know, if you're worried about what's happening in the share market, pick up the phone. It's my job to help you, you know, pick up the phone. I don't I don't want to just see you once or twice a year. I want. I want to know if something's happening in your life, pick up the phone and we can talk about it. You know, I can point you in the right direction, That that's my job every day.
1: <laughs> my biggest struggle was when I sold a business and then it had, had a lot of relationships in it and I collapsed. I didn't realise that, you know, I need people around me and that's where I draw energy. And that's when I became very, very inside myself. I didn't really get out much. I wasn't talking to anyone. And, you know, it, it was my friends and family that kept on reaching out. I ignored them. Uh my advisors that sort of said, Hey, what's going on for you? Ignored them. But once you get over that, it's still those same people reaching out going, Come on, you gotta get out. We're here to support you. And it was my financial planner, my accountant, my mum, my sister and all my friends that we're there to support you. So make sure you've got a good support team.
0: Absolutely. And I recommend that to any young people and certainly families that I've worked for uh, in the past or worked with in the past, just educating their younger members of the family who are, the, you know, the successors of their business, et cetera, just to make sure that they're building a team around them to get the support they need so that they can focus on the things that they're great at.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So where can we find you online? Um, We mentioned earlier that your Facebook group is Better Business Place. Is that the best place to...
1: Um, If you type in, uh, for for a lot of years, I was going for branding. There's one guy who is an English soccer player, Glenn Kirkwood online. And he has something like uh, about 30 million um, people following him. So it took me a long time to actually get him on page two of Google. (laughs) But you can find me online anywhere if you type in Glenn Kirkwood or that referral guy. The place that I love hanging out the most is on Facebook. So if you connect with me personally um, or send me a friend request, uh, then, of course, there's my That Referral Guide business page. But the Better Business Place is a place where I really enjoy um, hanging out because I want to help people create a better business. There's no sell in there. There's just a lot of great material and advice from a lot of different experts.
0: Thank you. So if you need some assistance to run campaigns or build a referral network, talk to Glenn. I can't recommend him more highly. I certainly use Glenn and JD. And thanks for joining us today, Glenn. It's been a real pleasure to have you as my guest and you shared a lot of insights with us. For my listeners, don't forget to check out Glenn's Facebook page, The Better Business Place. You'll find it at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Better Business Place. If you'd like more information about Finesse Financial Advisors, please go to our website, www.finesseadvisors.com. And if you'd like an obligation-free discovery session with me, you can book that on our website. Again, that's www.finesseadvisors.com. We'll drop all the contact details in the show notes, but feel free to email us at admin at if you'd like to leave us any feedback. That brings us to a close. Until next time, thank you again, Glenn. It's been a real pleasure and bye for now. Hope you enjoyed the show today and have some action steps you can take right now to get control of your money. Join me, Janine Wilson, next time for Finesse Your Money. Meantime, head to my website, www.finesseadvisors.com or email me at admin at to claim a gift voucher for a discovery session with me valued at $150. Make sure you put gift voucher in the headline.